Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're getting closer to action as we're only four days away from the Bears' Week 3 tilt against the 0-2 Arizona Cardinals. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to our official game preview podcast. Earlier in the week, we met the Cardinals with a great interview from Jess of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, and now it's time to take a deeper dive into everything to pay attention to during the game on Sunday. To help me provide this preview, I have both of my Bears brothers here with me. I'm joined by both Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. And gentlemen, no pressure, but if the Bears win this game, it'll be the first time that they've been above 500 uh, ever since we started this podcast, because the last time they had more wins and losses was September of 2014. So big week ahead. But B, how's your week been? Been good. It's been fun to be on the podcast four days in a row now. Uh kind of a, nice to get a get a Friday off tomorrow but man, this has been a lot of fun I hope I can you know keep doing this trend yeah four days of podcasting straight that's uh it's like an Iron Man challenge if I ever heard of one <laughs> let's go to Nick how's your week been treating you it's been pretty busy but that's not a bad thing I like staying busy being able to do things on a consistent basis but good though I mean we've been publishing a lot of content on you know the site and just doing lots of podcasts so it's been great yeah, it was a busy couple of days for content on the blog, which is a very exciting thing uh, thing to have as well. But guys, I'm having a great week as well. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate your you know concern, <laughs> your courtesy uh, towards me. But it's a game, you know, it's, we're only a couple of days away from a Bears victory. So how could you not be still in pretty good spirits? And 
looking ahead to this week, things are promising to have some back-to-back wins. Something that we, I don't think we've ever had us to digest on the show. Maybe I would have to double check, but it doesn't feel like it. So I'm very excited for that. I think we did last year. Before oh yeah, Raven Steelers. Yeah. Okay. That, I think that's the only one, but <laughs> no, it couldn't have been Raven Steelers because it was. Uh, it was Steelers, and then they had that game uh, four against Ravens, Packers. Ravens, New Orleans, wasn't it? Okay, so how about New Orleans? How about this? While I go ahead and set us up for this preview, <laughs> one of you two, look. and I'm not going to pick who, someone look at into it because I want to know if we ever had to do that because it doesn't feel like it, which even if it was one time, it's not enough, and I'm excited to do it again, hopefully. We'll talk about that, but let's go ahead and get into this week's preview. And this week, I want to talk about the Bears' defense first. So, guys, flip your notes. Because, well, they're sitting first in the NFL in sacks with 10. And, of course, defensive touchdowns with two. And it doesn't stop there because the rankings are favorable across the board. And we're going to talk about that throughout. So, don't worry for those of you listening at home. And just to give you the scope of what the defense is up against, they're going to be facing a Cardinals offense in which we learned on Tuesday was a, quote, mess. And mess is the perfect word for it. They're dead last in yards per game at 175. They're the only team below 220 yards per game at that. Dead last in points scored with six total on the year. The next lowest is 23. Dead last in time of possession, only averaging 23 minutes and 52 seconds of time of possession per game. And here's another fun stat, one I don't really bring up on a podcast, but they are dead last in punts per offensive score with 13. So they're punting the ball every 13 times for every time they score on offense. And the next lowest? 2.6 is a drastic difference between them and the next worst offense in the NFL. But Nick, you're shaking your head. So what was it? Oh, it was Baltimore, Carolina. Those are the back-to-back wins last year. We were in Carolina. so We were there. That makes sense why I didn't feel like we did post-game shows immediately afterwards because we were there. Exactly. But yeah, those are the two. That was the last time the Bears had back-to-back wins. Week six, week seven of the 2017 season. All right. And then week two. Week three of the 2018 season, but I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Now, again, the the Carolina. See, now you have me all confused, Nick. The Cardinals offense, uh, of course, uh, like the stats I just indicated there, very abysmal. Um, And I'm sure everyone listening, just like the Bears defense, is just licking their chops heading into this matchup. I think you can kind of see that's coming through me as well. And it appears that the defense is going to be able to wreak havoc all game long. Now, I'm sure if we wanted to, you know, we could just say the Bears defense should be able to dominate uh, this offense because X, Y, and Z and just call it case closed. But that's not any fun to listen to, and nor would we even want to provide that kind of analysis. So, and I hope you know that by now. So we're going to just go ahead and begin with how the Bears should handle Sam Bradford. For the season, he's completing 60% of his passes, but he's only thrown for 121.5 yards per game, 3.98 yards per pass. He has no touchdowns, and he has tossed two interceptions. And even though the Bears are in the middle of the road in terms of yards given up through the air per game, 251, and that quarterbacks have averaged a 98.4 passer rating against them, even though I would admit, you know, Aaron Rodgers is 130 passer rating, kind of, you know, notches that up a little bit compared to where Russell Wilson ended up a week ago. For some odd reason, wink, wink, I am feeling quite comfortable in this matchup. So guys, looking at Sam Bradford, I want to know, what are your keys to doing so? Because it seems like the Cardinals offense has done a pretty good job of doing that already. But for this Bears defense, what are those keys? And let's go to B first. I'm going to kind of say try and flush him out of the pocket. I mean, he's not the most athletic guy. And on the year, he's only got two rushing attempts, and he fumbled one of them. <laughs> so I I think that that might be 
one of the the key things you have to look at is because I mean, Jess Root said on Tuesday that you know the Cardinals' offensive line's only given up three sacks, but there's not enough time for Bradford to throw the ball. And even if they don't get to him, if they can find a way to just flush him out of the pocket, make him try and run to earn yards, then I think that really plays into the Bears' hands here because, I mean, like I said, he's not the most athletic, and he's fumbled once on his two carries already this year. So I really like uh, the, if they can flush him out if he's fast enough to get out, I guess. Yeah, that's been a issue throughout his career as well. Like you said, he's not a nimble quarterback uh, <laughs> by any means. But what about you, Nick? What kind of keys are you kind of you know eyeing in terms of uh, – limiting what Bradford can do, which, like I said, as of right now, hasn't been really much so far this season. Well, a big thing for the Bears, if they can lock down these receivers, and only two receivers for the Cardinals actually have receptions on the season, right. Ray Fitzgerald and the rookie uh, Christian Kirk. So if the Bears are able to do that, that's going to make Bradford stay a lot harder. And look, the Bears, have they know what Bradford's like. They played him last year in 2017. Even though he was knocked out of that game or injured going into that game, he had five completions uh, on 11 attempts, 36 yards. But then they even have, you know, some prior knowledge to him going back to the 2016 season. The Bears' actual last division win was against those Minnesota Vikings led by Sam Bradford. That game, he had only one touchdown. It was sacked five times. So if you can get to Bradford, and even if it's not even with the sacks, just hurries, you're going to get him off his game. And Bradford's not a guy that I think once that pressure starts to accumulate, he's one that can stay composed. So I think the Bears, if they just keep doing what they've done to Aaron Rodgers, to Russell Wilson, but for the entirety of a game, Bradford's not going to be on his game and the Bears are going to have success on defense. Yeah, I think you guys both hit it you know, pretty well. It all kind of comes down to pressure because, Brandon, you mentioned it. He's not the most athletic. Nick, you've mentioned it. If you get pressure on him, he's really – you find it you know, difficult to find a way to you know, avoid that pressure in the pocket. And then, of course, uh, everything kind of collapses around there. And the Cardinals offense, which we'll touch on here in a few minutes – uh, hasn't really given him much help at all, which I think is why you're seeing his numbers as low as they are. But something I want to hit on real quick, it's been reported that the Cardinals offense hopes to play quote unquote faster as they're going to kind of scale down this playbook. I want to know, do you think that's going to work in their advantage like they hope or in the advantage in terms of Vic Fangio's defense and why? Let's go right back to Nick. You know, I think it actually does go the advantage of the Arizona Cardinals, just like Matt Nagy's doing for the Bears offense, you know, Putting in plays that they're, they're, each quarterback is comfortable with running, simplifying things is not sometimes you know a bad thing. So for Bradford, who maybe the offense was a little too complex for a lot of these rookie, you know, young receivers, and obviously a Bradford who's a veteran, but putting in plays that they're practicing, you know, throughout practice and are feeling comfortable with maybe those scripted plays that could play to an advantage for the Arizona Cardinals, but still. Other than David Johnson, that the team really doesn't have a lot of playmakers with the aging Larry Fitzgerald. So I think it is plays to their advantage, but it's still a very good Bears defense and not a very good Arizona Cardinals offense. Hey, Larry Fitzgerald does not age. His hamstring may say otherwise <laughs> right now, but he doesn't age. He's timeless. But uh, what about you, B? Anything else that maybe Nick didn't mention, or do you have a different perspective? I mean, if if they're playing faster, I would think that means that they're going to throw more quick slants or screen passes to try and wear out the, the Bears pass rushers early. Uh, but I think that they can only do that for so long before the defense starts keying on and really makes the adjustment to be able to stop those screens or those quick slants. I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do it, but that's Aaron Rodgers. This is Sam Bradford. He's a little different of a quarterback. I don't know necessarily, especially with only two guys he feels comfortable, I guess, throwing to. I don't necessarily know how well the, the quick slants are going to work. And with David Johnson out there, if they recognize he's going out into the flat, it's more than likely a screenplay. So I really like uh, 
the Bears' advantage here, even if they do play faster, because there's just not a whole lot of weapons that you have to be concerned with. Absolutely. Nick, is that some tart pre-workout? It's a uh, green apple. Uh, it's got a very sour taste. So as soon as it hit me, I'm like, whoa, wow, this, this is strong. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's good, though. Yeah, I saw you down in the corner and I was like, either he's highly disagreeing with what Brandon is saying. <laughs> I hate it, it all, up in your mouth. And I was like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a pre-workout. Green apple. We learned a little bit more about you each and every day, Nick. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd recommend that one, though, if you like sour stuff. There you go. Brand. You have to figure it out yourself, not a sponsor. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. So you guys already mentioned a few of these names. Let's go ahead and see who Bradford has to work with. Larry Fitz, he leads the team receptions with 10 and targets 15. Then it goes to running back Chase Edmonds. And he has caught all nine of his targets so far this season for 39 yards. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones follows with seven catches for 36 yards. And then David Johnson and rookie wide receiver Christian Kirk round out the bottom. So to this point, the Cardinals really only have one viable option at wide receiver, and that's, you know, the aging, uh, as Nick likes to put here, Larry Fitzgerald, which is it's a very fair assessment. You know, he primarily does line up in the slot, so I'm kind of looking at Bryce Callahan here. What is your confidence in Bryce Callahan going up against this future Hall of Fame wide receiver? And let's go to Nick first, Mr. You know, I yeah, I actually have that matchup lined up for one that's going to uh, be a significant one in this game because ever since Larry Fitzgerald moved in the slot in 2013, when Bruce uh, then head coach for the Cardinals, Bruce Arians asked him to, he's caught more than 100 passes in each of his last three seasons. So he's been very productive from there, even though he doesn't age. Um, so Bryce Callahan, a guy that you know he's a someone who can definitely stick to these opposing receivers and just. Uh, you know, give them fits, give them troubles. And he's been pretty consistent when he's on the field. But yeah, that's going to be a good matchup moving forward because if Larry Fitzgerald's not able to do stuff for this Arizona Cardinals offense, I don't really see how it moves if the Bears are able to stop David Johnson in the backfield. Right, which is interesting to me when you look into Bryce Callahan, I think we can all agree he has a very solid year so far this season. Mm -hmm. um, I was just a little surprised to see that he has actually given up seven catches on the eight balls that were thrown his way for 52 yards, which isn't backbreaking, but it's also not, you know, world beating. But at the same time, he's only targeted eight times so far. And we've seen Kyle Fuller targeted the same amount in one single game. So he's still, you know, and his coverage rate is pretty high. So it's nothing really against him. I was just saying I was surprised to see that because it felt like he was doing a little bit better than that. But uh, Brandon, over to you, because Nick, you know, kind of agrees with me. This is a very pivotal matchup. I'm sure you have it in your notes as well. How do you think it's going to shake out? I think it's really going to... Um help Bryce Callahan in a way kind of overcome. I mean, you said that stat, he's given up seven catches on eight targets, which eight targets, whatever that's, you know, Kyle Fuller's one game you already said, uh, but I think it's a good matchup for Bryce because he's going to, he's the quickest one out there is going to be able to keep up with the aging or ageless, depending who you are, Larry Fitzgerald. And I, with him really being the only one that's going to get the most targets in this game, I think it's a, a good chance for Bryce Callahan to step up and spoiler alert. He's going to get an interception in this one. Uh, but you'll figure out where, because I mean, if they're going to target him so much, that just opens up the door for Callahan to be able to force that turnover uh, because he's going to have more opportunities to whether or not he actually pulls through on it that I don't know. It's yet to be uh, seen, but I think he's going to get his, his fair share of chances here to create a turnover because they're just going to target Fitzgerald so much. So it is an absolutely pivotal matchup. I really want a t-shirt with your face that just says spoilers. Spoiler. I really do. We can make one. I know we can. I know we can. Jordan. But, but is that a wise time? Uh, you know, use of our time. Maybe not. Maybe so. Probably not. It's all about perspective. Just like the <laughs> aging debacle that we've kind of brewed up here in the past five minutes. But all right, guys. 
What about the matchup against tight end Ricky Seals Jones? Because the Bears have done a pretty good job, especially week one uh, against tight ends. Uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, they really kind of bottled him up, but it kind of broke open a little bit last week. But also, I'm taking it for a grain of salt because a lot of this work was kind of down in that garbage time, like we were talking about six catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown to Seattle's tight ends. And it's also worth noting that uh, tight end Jermaine Gresham, he does be uh, appear to be on track to be making his debut this year. He had 33 catches, 322 yards, and two touchdowns a year ago. Again, not jaw-dropping numbers, but someone who might be able to come in there and provide a spark, especially as we're kind of wanting to play a little bit more, you know, uh, quicker and, of course, a little bit more of a basic offense. They're going to kind of want to target a couple of guys, and he's someone who's fresh and someone who wants to go out there and make a spark. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Which what I've been reading from Cardinals report is the guy that people do look up to for that you know, energy on offense. So keep that in mind as well. But in terms of, say, Ricky Seals-Jones and, of course, now Gresham, uh, how do you anticipate the Bears being able to handle these tight ends? And let's go back to B. Like you said, we had the same concerns going into Green Bay with, with Jimmy and Graham up there, and they, they kept him locked down. I think that the linebackers, the middle linebackers, are like athletic enough that they can stay on their guys enough to deter a quarterback to think about throwing a tight end's way. Uh, Will Disley caught the one touchdown, uh, their, their last touchdown last week, and spiked the ball, and Marshall was kind of like, what are you doing? Like we're down. Don't don't be doing that, you know. So I mean, I just because of that, I mean, that's the only, I guess, blemish when it comes to tight ends against this Bears defense was just in garbage time. I think that both uh inside linebackers, Roquan and Danny, are just absolutely playing lockdown coverage right now, uh, a lot better than Kwiatkowski. So if he gets out there, then that's the time that I think they would take advantage of the tight ends out there. Uh but other than that, I mean I think the the two starters really have the tight ends in a in a lockdown. What about you, Nick? You know, Brandon mentioned the inside linebackers. I've been especially as pleased with, like, say, Adrian Amos in coverage when he's been tasked to going up against these tight ends as well. Uh, what's your assessment in terms of Cardinals tight ends versus Bears linebacker safeties, whoever's going to line up against them? Yeah, I was going to bring up the safeties because I think those will be the guys, if it's going to man-on-man coverage, will be more responsible for covering these tight ends for the Cardinals. And like you said, I've, I've liked what I've seen from Adrian Amos and also Eddie Jackson. Obviously, you want to see him create turnovers, but in coverage wise, I haven't seen any big, um, I guess, holes or lapses in their coverage. So I think they've been sound in that. So I am confident that they'll be able to lock down these Arizona Cardinals tight ends. Just again, it all goes back to is Bradford even going to have time to even go into his progressions to find these guys? I don't think they're the first targets, but they're going to be guys that Bradford and maybe this uh, simplistic offense coming into this game are going to want to target early on just because maybe it's closer to him. It's not a very long throw like throwing to a wide receiver on maybe a slant route. So I'm confident overall and I like the plays over, you know, whether it's the safeties or the inside linebackers, I think they'll be able to do their jobs. I just want to add too that uh, Ricky Seals Jones, uh, their tight end, he's only got two years of experience in the league and Roquan's the only one as far as coverage guys that has less experience uh, Eddie Jackson has the same amount of experience Amos has more Dan Trevathan has more so there's just a lot going against him having a big game and I think that's going to play a pivotal role as well something that you're not going to see on the field just uh, smarts and smarts in the brain I guess 
Smarts in the brain. Smarts in the brain. I don't know why I couldn't end my sentence on a more positive <laughs> finding note than that one, but it is what it is. Hey, you got smarts in the brain. I mean, that's, that's what you want in the brain, <laughs> <you> want, right? <laughs> I don't know where else you're going to have it, but uh, the brain's a good spot. This is all true. This is all great market. We're on, we're on a roll tonight, guys. <laughs> Speaking of on a roll, I'm expecting a decent day out of our outside cornerbacks, right? It seems, honestly, on paper, it seems like it's going to be a day at the park for both Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamara. And I, I say that, I understand it's the NFL, but Larry Fitzgerald, he's primarily in the inside. If he does line up outside, of course, Fuller and Mukamara would have a little bit of a tougher task. Um, but right now, the two primarily outside receivers for Arizona has been Christian Kirk and Chad Williams, who has zero catches despite leading wide receivers and stats played so far this year. And I saw that Kirk did not practice today. And the last I saw, they didn't know exactly what the you know the issue was. Uh, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on as the rest of this week and the weekend kind of develops. But what are your expectations from the guys on the outside in this game? Like, again, what I see, I don't see them having much issue. They had a much tougher task. I think last week, even against Marshall and, of course, Lockett, the week before with uh, Adams, uh, Geronimo Allison, and of course Cobb, depending on how the Packers are lining up. I feel like this is going to be the easiest out of the three games so far. Um, but let's go to Nick first. What's your assessment? Yeah, like you said, those wide receivers that we've already played are far better than what we're going to see in this game. I wonder if there's ever been a stat where uh, in a game where receivers have never caught a ball. That would be uh, maybe the game to watch out for right now. But uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, I think you also got to factor in the quarterbacks that play in these games. They elevate the play of these wide receivers with having Bradford there. These receivers are not going to have their, their play elevated because he's not that type of quarterback. I don't think. And if Christian Kirk is not able to go, man, this Arizona Cardinals offense is in big trouble. It's already in trouble. It would be in, in even greater trouble if they have one less playmaker for Bradford to not have out there on the field. So I'm confident that, the the game, especially Prince of Mukamura is coming off of. He was like old John Fox would say, sticky in coverage. He he did he showed that against Russell Wilson and those receivers that he played. And then Kyle Fuller, we just need to see him turn his head around. So I think that they're gonna have a good day, whoever is out there for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, especially with the Mukamara. Like a play like that for someone who's never had a pick six in any of his football career from time as a kid all the way to now. You better believe that's a confidence booster. And especially with, you know, every position, confidence is huge. But defensive backs, especially, like if you're not playing confidently, you're not going to play well at all. We saw that with Kyle Fuller a couple of years ago. And then once you start building a little bit of confidence, making some plays, uh, it just kind of steamrolls a little bit. And if Amukamaro can put another strong game, which all signs are pointing that he can, uh, heading into Tampa Bay is uh, looking like he's going to be able to play confidently, which I think we can all agree we're going to need the confidence to swagger in this Bears defense for that matchup. But over to Brandon, uh, anything you want to mention in terms of the outside matchups? No, because it's it's hard to find a spot where Arizona can really like take advantage of the Bears defense in this one. And you guys have already touched on there outside of Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, there's just not a whole lot for Bradford. I don't even know if he feels comfortable throwing to these guys or if he just doesn't have time to get there, but it's just absolutely, I don't know. I don't say absolutely amazing, but it's just weird to go up against an offense that you can't really put expectations on because they just don't move the ball. So, I mean, I think the bears are going to have their way, uh, especially on the outside because Fitzgerald lines up in the slot primarily, but it's just weird to say the bears are going to dominate because there's just no expectations on the other side of the ball. Now, I'm trying to avoid a certain T word throughout this entire show, and it's a, it's a four-letter word. I had to make, double, make sure I counted, but it starts with a T, <laughs> and it's a 
Maybe you'll figure it out, and then maybe you won't say it. But it, I don't want to. It, it can. It feels Trap. like it. Ah, you figured it out. It was like time. What about time? I, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> needs time. I don't. Doesn't I don't know. It though, like, doesn't it though? Yeah. N- you know what? I'm gonna go with no though, only because they're expected to win, and it's because the Bears' defense is so much better than this Arizona Cardinals' offense, and I think the Bears' offense can do just enough. And obviously, yeah, this is what a trap game is. Basically, you're expected to win, but you don't play to the best of your abilities. I think last week, you know, against the Seattle Seahawks, that was more of a trap game because everyone, with all the depleted people that they had on the Seattle Seahawks team from their wide receivers to the, the middle linebackers and at Soldier Field, that to me kind of felt like that. But they came out and, you know, t- took care of business. This one, I, well, we'll save it for later, but I just don't, I just don't see that happening. Okay, we'll save it for later. Table it. We'll bring it back up when the time is necessary. But let's go ahead and uh, to Brandon's fancy. Uh, let's go ahead and take a peek into the trenches. Now, Arizona, it has the worst run defense. of oh, run defense. I am way ahead of myself. It's pretty bad, too. But uh, they actually have the worst run and pi- pass blocking grades as a unit, according to Pro Football Focus. It's really not pretty. And in terms of pass protection, they've given up 32 total pressures, and they've been called for six penalties. And most of the penalties have came from left tackle Humphreys, the center Cole, and a right guard Pew. Now, so guys like Floyd, Goldman, and Hicks, on paper, they seem to have some very, you know, heavily favorable matchups. I want to know, out of those matchups, which one do you like the most and why? And Brandon, I have to go to you first. I actually almost, for my X-Factor, put Eddie Goldman because he's in just such a position to be able to take care of business in the middle of this defensive line here uh, going up against Mason Cole because, like you said, he he draws a lot of penalties, uh, and he's young. Uh, So that's one of the reasons why I think that he could really have a a big game and really uh, wreak havoc uh, on Sam Bradford early on because when there's pressure coming up the middle on top of from Cleo Mack and from John Bullard, Ray Robinson Harris, potentially Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Lynch on the other side, he just didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, so I really like the matchup with Eddie Goldman here because he came off a, I mean, he only had one tackle last week. It was four losses, almost a safety, uh, that sack that he had there on Russell Wilson. I think that that's a big confidence booster for him. And in this matchup, I, I hope he doesn't uh, sleep on Mason Cole. I hope that he goes in there with a, a full head of steam and just really takes advantage of it because that's really going to set the tone early on. So I, I really like that matchup a lot. What about you, Nick? Do you have another one? Yeah, so I actually like uh, whoever's on the opposite side of DJ Humphreys or left tackle. And we saw Cleo Mack last game move from the right side, left side. But Leonard Floyd, he is getting a new cast now, a smaller one, and he is able to maybe use those fingers now. I don't know how much of an impact that's going to have, but he hasn't played the same with that cast on. So I like whoever's matched up on DJ Humphreys. In the last game against the Rams, again, a very good defense. Has some, obviously, Aaron Donald, but uh, he caught he had a false start in that game consistently got pushed back missing assignment on a blitz that the Cardinals actually had blocked up. But again, just mental laps. He blocks the wrong guy. Bradford has to get rid of the ball or actually Bradford got sacked on the play. So that's a good matchup regardless of whoever's opposite. Uh, to I like that bears player to take the advantage of DJ Humphreys. I'll just round it out. I'm going to say Akeem Hicks. And the reason is because Akeem Hicks can make one of the, you know, the best guards look silly. And right now, you know, uh, Pew or Poo. I mean, he might look like Poo at the end of this one. And that's a really crappy joke. And I apologize. But I mean, it's Akeem Hicks and he's been playing lights out. He has Cleo Mack next to him most, you know, nine times out of 10. And this, this is where it gets real interesting, guys. It's no matter where you cut it, the Bears defensive line, the edge rushers, they look like they can have a field day no matter which matchup you're looking at. And that's a good sign for the Bears, because, again, with so many favorable matchups, 
I don't know if there really is any way of the Cardinals slowing down the NFL's most disruptive pass rush in our Bears. They have 40 total pressures through two games, which, gosh, it feels good to say that we have the NFL's most disruptive pass rush. I mean, puts a little bit of a smile on my face. But, yeah, I think Akeem Hicks, and honestly, I think anyone who Cleo Mack is lined up week in, week out is definitely a matchup to pay attention to and the one that we think can go in our favor as well. So not that we're sleeping on Mack, but just looking at some of the other guys as well. All right, real quickly on Arizona's rushing attack, the offensive line, they've really struggled to generate you know much push at all this season. On the year, David Johnson has 22 carries for 85 yards. The Bears' defense is the fourth best in the NFL in yards given up per game on the ground, 71.5, and they only allow 3.6 yards per attempt. So with that stout front seven, you know they've really been able to bottle up backs this year, and I don't anticipate that stopping in this game. So it seems rather straightforward, but technically David Johnson is probably you know, the best back we've seen so far this season. So he's just been put in a bad spot, and he hasn't been used a lot. Um, 11 attempts per game, which for us and our frustration with Jordan Howard getting 13-14, I can't imagine what 11 even looks like. Steve Wilkes, uh, he said that this week the plan is to get Johnson the ball in space. So I want to know, like, what do you guys want to anticipate here? And what's your confidence in the Bears to bottle Johnson up if he does get in some space? And let's go to Brandon first. Well, they can't really give David Johnson the ball in the running game because they're not putting up points. They're just immediately behind and forced to throw the ball. So I think as long as they can continue to shut down that run game early, and if the offense can play complimentary football, put points up early, then we're going to see the exact same thing that Arizona has done the last two weeks, and they're just consistently playing from behind, and they're going to have to throw the ball. As far as getting David Johnson in space, again, I like our, our inside linebackers being able to to cover a, you know sideline to sideline. Both of them are really good at it. We've got uh, Bryce Callahan who's going to be out there as well because Fitzgerald's going to be out there on the field, so they're going to try and spread it out, try and create him uh, to create more space for David Johnson in that way. Uh, and our safeties play downhill very well, uh, so I think really as long as they can lock on him early, if that's going to be their game plan, then I think that this offense, uh, the Cardinals' offense, is just going to spiral back to what we've seen the last two weeks where they just have to throw the ball and have to get it to Fitzgerald because there's no other way for them to really move the ball. Yeah. What about you, Nick? I think for the Bears to be successful, it's going to be on that first down where I think the Cardinals are going to want to use David Johnson in that passing game. So just like the Bears have done with their running backs, really passing, you know, just passing in general. I think that's what the Cardinals going back to this simplistic kind of offense they want to bring out here. That's where these inside linebackers are going to have to be stout in coverage. And I think Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are definitely capable of, you know, mirroring David Johnson wherever he goes. So I know that's they want to get him more involved in the passing game, but I just don't see it happening. I don't really see this Arizona Cardinals offense have any success against this Bears defense. Yeah, that seems about <laughs> seems like to be the consensus of everything we've talked about now for 25 or so minutes. Is there anything else in your notes that you want to bring up, guys? The only thing in this, I'm just kind of stretching here. They are playing on turf. That Bears defense has looked fast, you know, out on grass. And obviously, bringing it, we all know the memories of this Bears defense and what they've done to Arizona in the past. But I think they're going to be even faster this game, which is crazy to say because, again, playing on that turf, that quick get off speed, you're not in Soldier Field grass where it can give out on you at any second. This could be a game where this defense is just. You you see like the potential it can really have just because of the environment they're in and you know not actually playing in a prime time game, which I don't know how that factors into it, but being in a you know in an opponent stadium on turf, just getting after the quarterback, I think it's gonna be beneficial for the Bears, especially because Sam Bradford is just a statue back there. So they know they're just gonna go hard every single time, collapse the pocket, and hopefully get Bradford. <laughs> 
I like that. That's a very unique perspective that, you know, a lot of people don't, again, slight stretch maybe, but no, I mean, turf yeah. technically is faster and his defense has played fast. So, I mean, it just makes sense to see him just take it up just a little bit uh, on that artificial surface, but over to Brandon, uh, anything in your notes that you like to kind of bring to the table. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I'll read table uh, what Nick was holding there. Uh, they put on the table with the, the T word. Um, I just, I hope that they don't play down in the competition though. I hope they don't look at this, this game. The defense does like we're looking at it. Like they're going to dominate every aspect. They have to go out there and they have to dominate it. If they don't go out there with that mindset, then I don't know necessarily that it's going to go all that well uh, because they can't afford to give up the, the big quarter. Uh, like I've been saying, you know, and I, with this offense, they, they haven't shown that they can score yet. So I, I hope that they go out there and they continue to keep that trend on the Arizona offense because I, I am a little worried about whether or not they'll be able to uh, play to the to the level of energy and detail that I think they're capable of just because this is a, a weak offense. Yeah, good points there. For me, uh, just a couple of things. The one uh, in particular, third down lows for the Cardinals. I mean, they're abysmal. They're only averaging a conversion rate of about 20%. So they're only converting one out of every five third downs. Big reason why, of course, they're bottom in the league of time of possession, unable to sustain drives. Our defense has actually kind of struggled on third down so far this season, despite all the three and outs that we've seen. They're 20th in the league in terms of third down conversion, which it feels better when we're watching the games than it does on paper. But again, it's only two weeks, so we kind of have to wait to get a larger sample size to see where all these defenses kind of shake out. But just something to kind of pay attention to and just a couple things to maybe put into the mind of our listeners. You know, how does that defense take the next step? What is that next step? Things that I don't even know. Like, I I don't know what the next step for this defense is yet. I've been pondering what that could be. But like right now, the front seven's played lights out. I think the next step might just be someone who needs to take some next steps. And that's Roquan Smith. In his debut, he made you know a couple of mistakes here and there, which is a given. But if he can take steps forward, if he can continue to progress, which he will, just imagine what it can do to the potential of this defense if he can start really getting up to full speed. And speaking of linebackers this week, Danny Trevathan, uh, last week's defensive you know, player of the week for the NFC. What's his follow-up performance look like, especially against Arizona? Just things to kind of keep in mind. But uh, guys, let's go ahead and hand out our X Factor for defense. And let's go to Nick first. No, I have one. I was just kidding there. I made a face in the bottom right. But my X Factor is going to be Roquan Smith. I think that if David Johnson's going to be a factor in this game, Roquan Smith's going to be you know, on the other side, trying to not let that happen in space when, you know, going out for a pass or just coming up the middle to make a big run, run stuff. Roquan Smith's going to be the guy that's really going to benefit from having so many great defensive playmakers around him and learn from those early on mistakes. Like you mentioned, Will, because later on in the game, he really just got acclimated to it. He was making those big hits and I expect him to carry that over in this Arizona Cardinals game. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. For me, my X factor I have Bryce Callahan because of that matchup we we're talking about earlier on Fitz, and I think I stole Brandon's, which is great. Well, so did Nick, so I'm over two. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm glad I cut I cut in line here, but uh, Bryce Callahan, you know, if he allows Fitzgerald to become the hot hand, the guy that Bradford actually can rely on, 
and starts giving the offense as a whole confidence, that's really the only way that I can maybe potentially foresee this defense having a problem in this game. So for me, Bryce Callahan is going to play a very vital role. His success will lead to the Bears' success. I'm not saying that if he mildly struggles, the entire defense will, but it's definitely not going to help our cause uh, whatsoever. And now, Brandon, since you're over two, you're on the spot. What's your X factor? Well, I had Eddie Goldman in there as my my first one, and then I took him out mm-hmm. and put Roquan, and then I put Bryce Callahan. So I'm going to go back to Eddie Goldman here because uh, I technically had three. But this is, I think, this on both sides of the ball. This is going to be a game where I think it's the first time I've said it in the regular season. The game is going to be won and lost here uh, because I think the tone on defense is going to be set here with Eddie Goldman if he can take advantage of the rookie. Uh, Cole there at center with as many penalties as he's drawn, like Will brought up earlier. I mean, that that's just as good as a sack, right? I mean, that's five yards at least on a holding call. You know, depending on the severity, you know, it's going to be more. So I think if Eddie Goldman can really come out and dominate this one early and set the tone, uh, then, you know, they're not really going to be able to run the ball. And other guys are going to want to step up because they see Eddie Goldman in the middle making plays and as a nose tackle. He's not supposed to be the one getting past the line. He's just kind of supposed to take up the gap. If they see him out there making plays, everyone else is going to want to as well. And I think that Eddie Goldman, if he can come out and set a good tone, then that's going to be the, the key for this defense. Excellent. All right, let's find out who has the edge. I'm going to kick things off. I'm going to give myself the Bears secondary versus the Seahawks passing it. Uh, Seahawks, geez, I should update my notes a little bit better. Obviously, we're playing Different the Cardinals. Bird. Wrong bird. New week. <laughs> I actually have the, I have the Packers still in these notes. So. <laughs> Shows you how how updated I am, so don't feel bad, Will. (laughs) I feel slightly less embarrassed, but not so much because you should have at least last week's in there. Jeez, no, okay. I have the Bears secondary, Cardinals passing attack. Obviously, you have to give this one to the Bears secondary. I don't need to explain it. We've went went through it in pretty much great length already. Bradford, he struggled. The offensive line has struggled, which is going to give him – Relatively, you know, little to no time to throw, which is going to make the secondary's job easier. And who do they even really have to cover besides Larry Fitzgerald? Christian Kirk, I'm sure he's going to be okay, but he was sitting out of practice today. There are other starting wide receivers who's played the most snaps of all wide receivers. Doesn't even have a catch this season. So I think the Bears secondary uh, has their work uh, not cut out for him. Whatever the opposite of that would be is exactly what I was trying to say. All right, Nick, you're up. Run defense for the Bears versus the Cardinals rushing attack. Bears. I was going to actually, before you went through three matchups, you say Bears. All of them are going to be Bears. I know what Brand's going to pick, but yeah, it's self-explanatory. The Bears just have two main playmakers on that defense, and it's one player in David Johnson, and that offensive line is not creating any type of push for him. And I again, I see this game being where the Bears go up ahead early, and then they kind of have to abandon the run game. So again, the Bears are going to dominate this one on defense, and David Johnson's not going to be a factor. So Bears defense, Bears rushing defense, however you want to put it. Bears, Bears everything. Bears everything. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, you know what's left. Bears pass rush, Cardinals pass protection. If there was any time where I could confidently get a broom out uh, for this one, you know, get your brooms out. This one's a clean sweep because, I mean, we we all know, we all know that it's going to be the Bears pass rush in this one. I mean, don't let the three sacks that Arizona's given up throw you for a loop. They've given up 32 pressures, like Will said earlier, and our, even our guest said on Tuesday, you know, Bradford just does not have time to throw. And with Cleo Mack, Akeem Hicks, and maybe a more effective Leonard Floyd with the smaller cast like Nick brought up earlier, I mean, Arizona's in trouble. And I'm not even bringing up, you know, the other half of the guys that can bring that pass rush potential that we've seen. Aaron Lynch, Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson-Harris, John Bullard. We've seen some A-gap blitzes this year. I mean, there's just Don't forget about much. the nickel blitzes. 
don't forget about the nickel blitzes. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of areas that the Bears can pressure Sam Bradford, and it's just not going to look good for him. So get your brooms out. Uh, the Bears' defense is going to win this one. Is Mike Glennon active? Do we know? I'm sure he's active. Oh, man, it would be crazy to see Mike Glennon on there. <laughs> they're going <laughs> to knock out Bradford. They're not going to want to put in Rosen. Mike Glenn revenge game? Just kidding. He's going to just have deer in headlights just looking, oh, God, if he were to get in. But don't don't put that into the universe. That's all I'm gonna right. say. Don't do that. Don't what? vocalize it. Don't do that. Well, he's, he's not gonna like it. I'm gonna tell you that if he gets in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the good news is different regime. I'm sure he still thanks Ryan Pace for all the money he still got for that season. Oh, of course. Of course. No, I'm sure he still. He's thinks not gonna. Him. He's not gonna like Khalil Mack if he gets in the game. For that's for sure. All right, guys. I'm going to call it halftime. We just finished our discussion on the Bears defense, and before we talk about the offense. I'm not even going to read about an ad today because we did that on Monday. So we're all caught up for the week. I want to know, guys, how's the audio mailbag? It seemed like you guys had another pretty good week. Did you enjoy it? Oh, of course. We had a lot of great questions. Brandon and I were just going back and forth, just answering these. And there was just so many questions submitted. And I wish we could put them all in there. But the audio mailbag podcast would be as long as one of the postgame shows. What do you think about it, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, it was a good opportunity to kind of look in depth at some more or different things, I guess, because, you know, we can sit here and analyze uh, plays of different guys, but I don't know the mailbag kind of lets you look at things with a different perspective. Uh, it gives you a little bit more time. And like we were talking about earlier, how you could kind of, you know, in the offline recording, you can hear me take like a deep breath before one of my first answers. Cause it was just, I had a lot more time uh, to break down an answer in that one. So, I mean, it, it I like it. it was some good questions in there. Uh, give us a very detailed answer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of them. Yeah, and we do this once a week now throughout the season. Something we did a little bit a year ago. It kind of fell off, but I think a lot of things fell off for the Bears last year. But I think we plan on doing this at least once a week for the rest of the year. And I honestly, I think it'd be really cool to do this in the offseason as well. But I just say add us to your contacts. So we don't have to say the number every week. We're going to anyway. But it'll definitely save you time if you add us to our contacts. Nick, do you know the number by heart yet? I don't, but I have it pulled up right here because I knew you'd ask me. So nice. the number to put in your contacts now is 872-240-4007. And the number one more time, 872-240-4007. Great. I need to really take off call forwarding because my phone rings every time someone wants to leave a voicemail. I'm going to answer one of these, actually. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Who is this? There's How's someone behind this number? What's this? <laughs> Awesome. I'm glad you guys have a good time. I'm going to have to hop on to the, on one of those at least one time coming up here soon. Yesterday was grandma's birthday, so we took her out for dinner. It was a good time. But uh, I'm not going to lie. I miss you guys when you're doing a show without me. Yeah, it's weird because, again, it is, it is offline. This is I, We do everything live. But offline, you can get away with a little more. And like, like Brandon was saying, just go more in depth and actually think about these questions and have a really thoughtful answer to go with it. Now, you're not trying to do that full-time, are you? You're scaring me, guys. <laughs> hey, Brandon, I love we'll talk after shows. the show. We'll talk after the show, Brandon. All right. <laughs> Mutiny. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get back into it, guys. It's time to talk about the Bears' offense, a unit that has been both, I'll call brilliant, and then blundering at different times. For the season, the Bears ranked 29th in total yards, but 13th in points scored at 23.5. So they're going up against the Cardinals' defense, like, the offense for Arizona, they have struggled. And here's a quick rundown of the defense. They've given up the third most yards per game at 430.5. They're 25th in points allowed, allowing 29 points scored per game. They've also allowed the most rushing touchdowns so far this season in the NFL with four. 
So let's actually begin this conversation by taking a look at the ground game, because usually we start with Trubisky. And I don't know, I just like going in backwards order today and really keeping you guys on your toes. The Bears have struggled to really establish a run and honestly just stick with it. We talked about it on the postgame show that it's a little bit baffling that Jordan Howard only had 14 carries despite the Bears leading since the middle of the first quarter against the Seahawks. The Cardinals defense gives up uh, 3.6 yards per carry, 136 yards per game, and has allowed, again, like I said, the most rushing touchdowns in the league with four. The Bears on average, uh, 112 yards on the ground per game, and perhaps what's most staggering to me is that they've been unable to really bust a run for 20-plus yards yet. Don't you guys remember, like for the past couple of years, especially under Jordan Howard, uh, in that offensive line, which is pretty much the same besides Josh Sitton, uh, we were near the top of the league, if not leading the league in, at sometimes in runs of 20 or even 40-plus. We haven't even gotten one to break out for 20 yet this season. So here it is. Simple question, complicated answer. How did the Bears establish a run against Arizona? Because it looks promising on paper, but so did last week against the Seattle Seahawks. We really thought the Bears were going to be able to establish a run, and the Seahawks shut it down. So how can they do it this week? I know, simple question, complicated answer. What's good to be? I think they have to focus more on running north and south. Uh, I mean, we've seen quite a few jet sweeps with uh, Taylor Gabriel, uh, and that was something that we talked about in the previous show as well, is that if you know they can get to the edge, then they're going to have a big day rushing, and they didn't quite get to the edge. Uh, so I think if they really put more focus in on this one is putting more effort or focus details, attention to details, running north and south, then I think they're going to be, they're going to see more results. And we know that Jordan Howard gets stronger as the game goes on. So even if he doesn't have the success early, I hope that Matt Nagy doesn't stray away from going to him. Uh, and I think this is really an opportunity for Jordan Howard to have his breakout game in 2018, because it's it's just set up to be that way. Uh, the, you, brought, you brought up how many yards per game they give up. If it was 136. It's fifth most in the league. So that's, I mean, it's set up for Jordan Howard to have a good day if they can just stick with it and they can run north and south. What about you, Nick? How do you think the Bears can do it? And for you, I'm going to give you section B of this question. What's your confidence level in the running game in general? And how soon is it going to be until you actually really start worrying about this long term? Actually, I'm thinking the exact opposite to Brandon's answer. I don't think this is a game where the Bears actually established the run. I know you put out the stats. Arizona's given up the fifth most rushing yards, uh, tied for the fifth or Tied for the first, but um, they've also had they faced the most rushing attempts with 75, nine more than the second most in the league so far. That's because they've been out of games. Teams are going to run the football. Arizona's only given up 3.6, which is tied with the Bears right now for rushing yards. So here's the thing. This defense actually hasn't been that bad. It's just I think the offensive play from the Arizona Cardinals is really taking effect on the Arizona Cardinals defense. Um, they are tied for last with the most rushing touchdowns, but Todd Gurley had three of those last week, and they were all goal line situations. So I don't think this is the week where Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, this offensive running game just gets going. They didn't do it against the Seattle Seahawks team, who was missing their two starting inside linebackers. I don't have the confidence that they're going to do it this week. And uh, last week, or for the Arizona Cardinals, they played the Rams, and they did have success running jet sweeps with their wide receivers. The running back would go one way. Ty Gurley would go left. Uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup would go the ups, opposite way with that running uh, jet sweep. I just don't see it happening, to be completely honest. I, I know that um, the Bears need to establish the run, but Matt Nagy has shown that he likes to pass on first down rather than run it, and he hasn't been consistent with it. I think it'll come later in the year, but not this game against the Arizona Cardinals. Their defense is actually better than all the statistics show and the whatever they lost to the Rams, it was 0-2 whatever the score was, 
the defense is better than people think, and I, I'm not very confident that the Bears can establish a run. How can they do it? it, it it's going to be creative play calling, I think, just getting the defense going one way and the play actually going the opposite way. But I don't have an answer of how they actually will do it because I I'll, don't think they will. I'll finish the thought for you because I know exactly how it's going to have to be done going full circle. Earlier I said the game's going to be won in the trenches, both sides of the ball, and this is exactly an opportunity where that has to be done. The offensive line has to generate a push in this one for the running game to even get started because I don't. we haven't seen a decent enough push yet throughout you know the entirety of a game so far for a running game. Go ahead. I have the answer. He's <laughs> on the bench, and he went to Iowa. It's January. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, yeah, he, he I mean, could be an improvement, but. Let me just regardless, half my notes coming up. Thanks, guys. <laughs> regardless, the offensive line needs to get get a push start, and you can't run north and south if you don't get the push started. Maybe that's why they have spent so much time trying to get to the edges because they're not confident, I guess, in the offensive line to get a good enough push yet. So I don't know. Just just a thought. I mean, they haven't done it. Like the right. offensive line has not given them a push, which it's hard though when you're dropping back. You know. 40 times a game because that's how many times we've been passing. So like when you actually need to fire off the ball, it's a little bit different. So again, if you, maybe if you do it more consistently, wear down a defense, get your offense playing more aggressively, then maybe things will kind of come together. But it's still astounding that how difficult it's been for this team, because even though we didn't see a lot of running attempts in the preseason, uh, especially with, you know, of course, Jordan Howard, even really during training camp, I really thought we come into the season, they kind of stick with it a little bit more than we have, but, We'll see exactly how it goes. And speaking of, you know, running backs, one more question on him real quick. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I want to know your uh, thoughts on his usage. Only 13 total touches so far this year, 66 yards. Uh, so that comes out to over five yards per touch throughout the first two games. And I know there's a lot of talent to kind of spread the ball around here on this offense. But what do you think? Do you think Cohen's being underutilized, correctly utilized? God forbid overutilized at the 13 touches in two games. But I'm going to give you at least all three options here. Let's go to Nick first. What are your thoughts on how Nagy's used Cohen throughout two games? Yeah, just looking back to the last game, he was only on the offense 40% of the times, 28 snaps. Definitely not a lot. You, This was the problem going last year with Tariq Cohen. He wasn't used enough. But I think that Matt Nagy needs to find ways to get him on the field more than that because he, anytime he's on the field, that's just another guy the defense really has to think about whether he's in the backfield or going out for a swing route or, you know, a wheel route down the field. He's capable of doing all those things. So that's why I think you need to get that number up. Yes, they have a lot more weapons, but three cones too good to be on the bench. And like I said, only 40%. That's definitely not enough. That needs to increase moving forward. What about you, B? Again, there's a lot of people on this offense. So I understand that sometimes, you know, Touches can be scarce, and it could change by you know week to week basis uh, according to game plan and where the coaching staff kind of sees mismatches. But Tree Cohen's a guy who you would anticipate being a mismatch more times than not. Oh yeah, and I mean we've seen what he can do with the ball in his hands. I mean, there's times where you're kind of like, uh, was it one of the reverse runs early in the year last year, either Atlanta or Pittsburgh, where he, I think it was a sweep left, and he stops, runs all the way back, and he gets you know it could have been a touchdown, but he stepped out of bounds. So, I mean, he's explosive, so you would want him out there, and that's something that we clamored for last year, like you guys already said. So I would, and as much as we didn't see him in training camp or preseason, I mean, I would have thought he'd have been out there a lot more by this point because we thought, you know, he's hiding some with Terry Cohen, but I guess he's kind of not. I mean, I don't know if he's just not grasping the playbook or if he's expected to have this expanded role. I don't think that either of those are really the issue. I just don't know that, I guess, the mismatch is there that they're looking for. I, I wish I had an answer, but he's not being utilized enough. That's all I wanted to know, your thoughts on where it kind of stands. And 
The reason why I'm, you know, a little perplexed by it is earlier this offseason, Tariq Cohen, I remember the quote, this offense was made for me. <laughs> well, let's see it, right? Like, if it's made right. for him, why are you off the field for the majority of the snaps? Again, it's early in the season. I'm trying not to jump to many, like, concrete conclusions, but, like, we need to, of course, keep tabs on things as they kind of develop. Well, and again, with all the new weapons that they brought in, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, all these guys, you know, we expect to contribute. The one guy that he's got chemistry with is Tariq Cohen, at least, you know, Mr. Trubisky. So, I mean, I would think that would be one reason to get him out there more. I would say he's building a chemistry with Allen Robinson. We can talk about that in a little bit, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll throw out the tabling term uh, again for this podcast, and we'll hold off for a second. Now, let's go ahead and transition to the guys up front. The offensive line as a whole has been, you know, really strong in terms of the pass protection. They've only given up 16 total pressures. So think about that. The Bears, as a defense, have gotten 40 pressures. On offense, they've only given up 16. So really good contrast there. And Mitchell Trubisky, he's been accredited with five. So only 11 kind of come from the offensive line. And now, again, it's a little bit of a different story with the running game, but you guys kind of jumped the gun on it. So I'm going to kind of skim up through my notes and transition over to the passing attack. Now let's talk about that Bears pass protection this week because the Cardinals as a team, uh, they have four sacks and they have 39 total pressures, which actually is one less than the Bears defense, which kind of goes to the next point of, you know, maybe they're not that bad. But I also counter it with they have been on the field more than any other defense in the NFL, so they've had more opportunities to kind of generate these rushes where the Bears defense has been, uh, I think, on the field the fourth least so far, which is not a very bad spot to be in, especially considering for the past couple of years, they've been the defense that's been on the field the majority of these games. It's kind of flipped a little bit. They're playing a little bit more rested, and I think that's why we're seeing an impact. But getting back on the offense here, uh, I want to know, because when you look at you know the Cardinals' defense, uh, they don't have any one person, at least this season, I would say that overly worries me. Chandler Jones had a really good season last year, but he struggled this year, um, at least so far. But I want to know, what are the matchups that you're anticipating being the most crucial on Sunday? in the trenches in terms of protecting Trubisky. And let's go over to Brandon first because he is Mr. Trenches. I'm a little more worried about the inside guys, and I think I should be uh, just because Jess Root said on Tuesday, uh, you know, because I asked him about the middle of the defense, is that the weakest spot with the defensive line and the middle linebacker not really scaring me? And he goes, well, don't sleep, I guess, on Robert Kimdichie and Corey Peters. You know, they're not they're not bad. You know, they they play their gaps well. They're disciplined guys. Kimdichie sometimes tries to make plays uh, when he shouldn't. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, if they're two solid guys and they if they can get pressure up the middle, especially on Eric Kush, who seems to be the weak link on this uh, offensive line, I think that we can all agree on that. Uh, then, yeah, I think that that's one matchup that I would, I would look at is the middle of the defense versus Eric Kush and potentially Cody Whitehair if he has snap problems, which we didn't see last week, thankfully. Uh, but that's it's kind of where I'm looking outside of Chandler Jones, kind of looking at something different here, uh, just because, you know, I wasn't getting the answer I thought I was going to get to that question. So I'm going to say the middle of the Cardinals defense may provide more problems than I think will anticipate. Okay. What about you, Nick? I had Robert Nimdichi or however, number 90 on that defense being a guy that can give the, the Bears trouble. But another guy, uh, Benson Mayoa, man, I, I don't like these guys' last name. Sorry. Uh, he leads a team with sacks right now, too. So a guy that, you know, just watching the tape uh, from the past two games that they played, you know, a guy that can he's, he's fast off the ball. And so that's going to be on the tackles just being, you know, 
obviously quick off the ball themselves being able to keep Mitch Trubisky upright, which they have for the most part this season. So that's another guy uh, in terms of that front seven to really watch out for. But the inside linebackers, um, the thing with the Arizona Cardinals, both their former first round picks are having trouble getting on the field, which is, which is interesting. Now you have it with uh, Dion Buchanan and uh, Hassan Reddick, those being the two former first round picks. Uh, they're actually being replaced right now by Gerald Hodges and Josh Bynes for inside linebacker who are just been journeymen throughout this league right now. So I'm not really concerned about the inside linebackers, but that, that those defensive linemen, they they're better, even though there's like Chandler Jones is the big guy, the, the big name that everyone knows. They, they play sound football. So those are the guys that I think the Bears fans and the Bears need to watch out for. I'll throw one more out here. Uh, he's returning this week, and that's going to be their defensive end, Marcus Golden. He did lead, uh, lead the team in sacks with 12 and a half in 2016. Uh, he tore his ACL last year. So this is going to be his first game back. Now, I don't think it doesn't really change too many expectations, but as you can tell, he was very productive a couple seasons ago when healthy. And we all know with people coming back with ACLs, those things can take time, especially once you get fully cleared and you're ready to go. But regardless, he's going to be another body in that rotation for the defensive ends uh, with Jones. And then the name that Nick can't pronounce and I can't either. So we know the which one. the <laughs> Which one? Ma, ma, uh, yeah. Beachy or Mayow? I think Mayow one. Yeah. Number That's 91. The, yeah. The one who's leading already. Yeah. So like between, you know, Jones, him. And now, of course, you had in Golden. Uh, I think that's a little that's going to bolster a group that can perhaps give this offensive line fits, but also the Bears tackles have played really well so far this season. Uh, Bobby Massey gave up that one last week, but even that was, you know, the guy was like, we, he was offsides. So <laughs> we can't even credit Matt, you know, give him some, uh, you know, slack on that. So for me, uh, even though I'm not necessarily worried about Golden coming back, I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on if somehow these defensive ends are, you know, kind of show up a little bit, that might be an underlying cause as to why. All right, so let's go ahead and transition over Trubisky. I know we usually start with him on our offensive discussion, but I wanted to save him for last because, you know, I think he's been talked about in great length over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we and everyone else, we've really dissected uh, those first two games in great length. Um, but it's really time to start looking ahead and toward the next week, and I'm not even going to bring stats into the equation here. Everyone knows he's thrown for two touchdowns. He's tossed two picks. <laughs> there I am throwing out stats. But... uh <laughs> He has had the moments, you know, of brilliance, couple of some moments that really want leave you wanting to kind of bang your head on the table. I mean, that's growing pains, and that's what we've seen so far. But Trubisky is going up against a defense that has allowed uh, both opposing quarterbacks that they face so far this season to complete over 70% of their passes. Uh, combined, they have a pass rating over 108. They've allowed the Rams to throw over 350 yards a week ago. So I want to know, are you guys buying into how promising this looks on paper. Are you concerned that uh, Trubisky, the rest of the offense, like Brandon, you mentioned with the defense may quote unquote play down to the competition here. Let's go to Brandon first. This is actually the one matchup that I'm most skeptical of throughout the entirety of the game is Trubisky against the secondary, because when the Packers switched the zone in the second half of their game in week one, uh, Trubisky was not expecting it. And the offense, I think we all kind of said, you know, didn't really anticipate it either and didn't quite make the adjustments in time. Uh, so here's an opportunity against a team that plays 
largely a zone defense and with a game plan it'll probably be a little bit different than a halftime adjustment but i'll be real interested to see i think it's gonna be a good test for trubisky how he how he does against the zone in this new offense uh, because like i said he wasn't anticipating it week one when they made that change so i think uh big picture looking forward this is going to be a good test for him as far as how he can adapt and learn the playbook because if they don't score on the first drive i mean we've seen that they kind of they kind of stall after that so if they can come out and really attack the zone know where all the weak spots are going to be uh, then I think that Trubisky will be all right in this game because he's going to continue to see that for the rest of the game. So I th- how much time he puts in in the film room this week is going to be uh, huge for him. What about you, Nick? How do you see this panning out? Uh, this is one I'm uh, just doing the research for this game that I'm not – this is not going to be Mitch Trubisky's breakout game. I'm going to say that. Um, I think he's going to leave fans wanting more still, but he's not going to lose them the game. I think that uh, last week, if you look to that Rams game, Jared Goff was really making some – some tough throws, some some throws that if he's a little bit off, like Mitch Mitch Trubisky has been this season, they're getting picked, they're not being completed, and Jared Goff really had a good game against um, you know this Arizona Cardinals defense, and they shut down Todd Gurley. He only had I think it was nineteen attempts with forty yards. So Mitch Trubisky, not expecting him to do very much. I, I with the scripted plays, I still see him having success, but after that. Uh, this is, like I said, not the game where we see Trubisky finally have that breakout game where you're thinking, oh, man, this is this is the game where Mitch Trubisky turns the corner. Because, like I said, this defense uh, is a little better than people think. Patrick Peterson's a great corner. Buda Baker is a guy that you can put anywhere on the field at safety, and he he just roams around. And they do like to bring those corner, those nickel guys to blitz, right, especially off the edge. Not right up the middle, but off the edge. So Trubisky needs to be able to recognize that, be able to find the soft uh, spots in the zones. and. I think he's gonna he's gonna struggle at times, but overall, uh, he won't lose the Bears a game. He's gonna do just enough, and that defense is gonna carry this team. So that's what I'm expecting from Trubisky. This is not, like I said, not the game where he's gonna you know play lights out. All right, so let's kind of look at who Trubisky's gonna be working with on Sunday. Uh, last week we saw Alice, Allen Robinson's workload increase dramatically. Trey Burton found a way to get a little bit more involved than he was Week One, especially in the second half, as well as Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller. So when you really sit back and think about it, you have to be pleased with the growth that we saw from this unit from week one to week two. And of course, that can also kind of be accredited to Trubisky as well. So let's not kind of sly him in that regard. But I want to know, like, who do you anticipate being able to have a big game against the Cardinals secondary and why? And let's go to Nick. I want to see Anthony Miller be that guy um, just because he's such a great route runner. I think that even himself, I know we talked about Tariq Cohen not being on the field enough. It's also Anthony Miller. I think he's around maybe 40, 50% in that range where he's on the field. And I know he's a rookie and there's a lot of playmakers there, but I think this is a guy that Trubisky can really utilize. And just to throw in another name, where where is Trey Burden at? We need to see more Trey Burden. I think that's really going to help Trubisky, especially in the middle of the field where I think they can exploit this. This is another defense where the in the middle is not very strong with those inside linebackers. So Trey Burden, Alan, uh, Anthony Miller, are the guys that I'm looking forward to seeing, hopefully having a good game. But I don't know if we see that. I, I hope I hope we do though. Yeah, we all do. We definitely do. What about B? I think Jordan. How-, how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
Howard is a receiver's a guy that I think we kind of have to look at in this one. Because in the zone, you know, I don't know how happy feet Trubisky is going to get and if he's going to want to dump the ball off a little earlier just because I don't know how comfortable he is reading his zone uh, at this point uh, in his career. Because, I mean, we've seen seen him struggle in the second half there against Green Bay, like I said previously. So I, I think he's going to be hitting more checkdowns in this one, which is going to include Jordan Howard. And I think that's going to be a big key is how well – I mean, we've seen Jordan Howard really improve as a receiver this year, so I've, I feel totally confident in it. It's just something I think we're going to have to really keep an eye on is how many times does he hit the, the checkdown guy in the flat uh, in this one. I think Jordan Howard's going to have a bigger receiving game than he will a rushing game. For me, uh, like last week, uh, I have whoever's lining up against the corner. So today's corner uh, is going to be Jamar Taylor. On the season, he's allowed nine catches on 10 targets for 181 yards, 56 of which have came after the catch, and he's been called for defensive holding four times so far this season. So either that be a Taylor Gabriel or Nick's kind of guy to pay attention to, Anthony Miller. I presume uh, either of those are kind of going to get the nod because Patrick Peterson, uh, he's going to be able to be the guy over on Allen Robinson. So this is going to be the matchup that the Bears really do need to find a way to exploit. All right, guys, anything in your offensive notes or Arizona Cardinals defensive notes that you want to kind of throw out there? I just want to reiterate what we said on the audio mailbag yesterday. Please be patient with Trubisky. Um, I will. Well, yeah, well, I'm sorry. It just delayed there. That that green apple is actually getting to me now. Um, The big thing that was successful for Goff going against this defense, the play action pass. But the big thing here, which we haven't seen from Mitch Trubisky in this offense, is when he has his back towards the defense to really sell that run fake. That really worked for the the Rams going into that Cardinals game where the rushing attack wasn't working for him. Let's see if uh, Matt Nagy actually brings this to this game. We haven't seen a lot of it where he's doing play action, back towards the defense, selling that fake, and then finding a guy over the middle. This would be a good opportunity to see that because I don't know if Mitch Trubisky's maybe comfortable with that right now, but I think this would be a good game to utilize it because it really did work against the Cardinals when the Rams did it last week. So that's just one thing to look for in this game. All right. So for mine, I'll give you guys an option. You want to hear about red zone or third downs or both? I mean, both sounds fun. Neither. (laughs) That that wasn't an option. That was not an option. (laughs) Now you're a crab apple as well. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to give you both because you said neither. All right. So red zone real quickly. The bears are tied for seventh in the league uh, in terms of red zone trips per game. We've gotten down there 3.5 times per game so far this season. Don't forget the bears were dead last in this category a year ago. So this is a huge sign of improvement from this bears offense, but there is a problem. They're 25th in the NFL in terms of efficiency. They're only able to score touchdowns on 42.9% of those trips. That must be improved, and hopefully it can this week against Arizona because the Cardinals have allowed opponents to score touchdowns in the red zone on 70% of those red zone trips, uh, and they've also allowed the league most five red zone trips per game on average. So the Bears, in terms of the red zone offense, should be able to get down there like they have so far this season, and hopefully they can boost that average of 42.9% up a couple pegs and just real quickly on third downs or else I think Nick's going to just leave this podcast. <laughs> uh, the bears offense are 10th on third down, actually 41%. And now that's really not a bad number. And I think we can all agree that we have seen some really easy opportunities kind of being left still on the table. So even though that's disappointing through two weeks, that's still a very encouraging sign of where this offense can kind of grow into, especially on third down. And just speaking of encouraging signs, Arizona third down defense, Second worst in the NFL, 50%. So, and, and that goes 
they face the most third downs in the entire league. They've been on the field for the most. We've seen it in Chicago. They get wore down. Like it just happens, especially as games kind of wear on. All right, guys. Defensive X factors, and I'm very I mean, defensive. Offensive X factors. You you don't want to do defense to get any Goldman? I, I could, but <laughs> you guys took right. my first two, so no. That's that's why you're going to go first this time. Who do you got for offense? An offensive X factor is the entire Bears offensive line. And it's not necessarily the pass blocking, but it can definitely be included because Arizona, you know, they do have a handful of sacks in two games. So don't don't sleep on the fact that they can uh, get to the quarterback. But Arizona gives up the fourth most rushing yards in the league, as we already talked about. Uh, so if the line can generate a good push, I mean, this could be a chance for Nagy to see what Jordan Howard really has. And I know Nick's not all that optimistic about it. And I don't know that it'll happen either because he, you know, I think he'd rather have the short passes in the running game. But don't undervalue Jordan Howard in this one. I think this is a, a good opportunity to keep that Cardinals defense on the field. Like we've talked about, they've been out there the, the longest of any team this year. Let's keep them out there, wear them down, and then you can hit them with the passing game later. So I think establishing the run by getting a good push by the offensive line is going to be the X factor. So the entire Bears offensive line is my X factor. What about you, Nick? So I haven't chosen chosen him as my X factor all year, and I'm going to go with Mitch Trubisky. This can easily be a blowout win for the Bears. But it all depends on him. If he's able to make the proper throws, keep this offense moving, this can easily be a blowout. But I, regardless of how I think Mitch Trubisky plays, he can't play horrendous. But regardless of how he plays, I think they're they're going to win. But I think he's the X factor. This can easily, like I said, easily be a blowout. It was 34-0 last week against the Rams. Don't think it'll be like that. But Mitch Trubisky makes all the throws, uh, gives his guys opportunities to make plays. This can be a very convincing win for the Bears. But it all falls on Trubisky. Yep, you're right. It does. I mean, it really does. He he's like he's like Khalil Mack. He's like the obvious X factor each and every week. But Nick, you you're right. You haven't used it yet, so you get your one. Good <laughs> I'll luck use next it week. again. I'm sure you will. <laughs> you just won't, you'll forget to update your notes, right? Yeah, and this one will still be the Packers going into. <laughs> hey, eventually you'll be right again. So don't worry. Yeah, December sixteenth. So there you go. All right, my X Factor, I'm going to give it to Tariq Cohen. You know, we mentioned he already averages five yards per touch. The problem is getting him those touches, only 13 touches throughout two games. And I'm sure he's a little bit frustrated by it. And against the Cardinals defense, uh, they that allowed running backs to gain 130 yards receiving in week one alone, it's go time for Cohen. It is. I want to see him kind of have a breakout game on offense because I'm sure he's ready to kind of have one, and I'm, no one's going to complain to see it, but... It's funny this week with Cohen in terms of uh, fantasy football, a lot of people are like, is this it for Tariq Cohen? Has he like reached his peak of fantasy value? And I'm like, you need to relax. He's going to be fine. Just got to work his role into this offense. But I want to see it this week kind of silence those doubters that maybe are starting to kind of creep up. Not really Chicago Bears fans, but more of that national kind of scope. All right, guys, who has the edge? Brandon, you're up first. Bears passing attack, Arizona secondary. I'm going to give it to the Bears passing attack, but just, I mean, not by a whole lot. I mean, the Cardinals defense, they do give up the six-month passing yards, uh, and I don't necessarily think the Bears dominate in this department because Trubisky struggled with the zone, like I said earlier, against Green Bay. So, uh, I think we see improvement uh, because the scripted plays are going to be uh, geared more towards facing a zone. Uh, I just don't think, or I think that the Bears receivers are going to be good enough to help Trubisky in this aspect. Uh, they'll be able to run really efficient, solid routes like we've seen all year, and they'll be able to get open, create bigger windows for Trubisky in that way. Uh, I'm just not 100% confident in them dominating this aspect, but I do give it to the Bears passing attack. Nick, over to you. Bears running game, Arizona run defense. This is something that you were uh, a little harsh on earlier. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with, no, I'm going to go with the Cardinals uh, rushing defense. I don't expect the Bears to have a very uh, productive day uh, running the football, but that doesn't mean they're not going to score from it. Like like the Rams did. They were able to get those goal line touchdowns, but I just don't see them overall being able to have a good yards per carry, uh, really just being effective at all with the run. Uh, it'd be nice to see because we haven't seen it, you know, through two games so far, but I'm going to have to give it to the Cardinals uh, rushing defense. All right. And for me, I have the Bears pass protection versus the Arizona pass rush. I'm going to give this one to the Bears pass protection all, you know, throughout the first two games, they've only given up 11 in terms of the offensive line. They played very, you know, they've been very consistent in terms of their pass rush. There hasn't been one obvious weak spot in that regard. I mean, you can look at Eric Cush perhaps, but even he hasn't been really much worse than anyone else in terms of his pass protection so far this year. And again, Arizona, they have a lot of pressures, but they've been on the field so much and teams have passed the ball quite a bit on them. I mean, they've passed and they've run quite a bit. That's why those margin of victory has been so large. Um, but I just see the Bears offense finding a way to keep Trubisky relatively clean. Uh, and I think they'll do that. I think it just goes back to Trubisky trusting that protection. I think after two weeks, he should start having a little bit more trust than we've seen. That way he doesn't kind of, you know, evade the pocket, ditch the pocket when it's not absolutely necessary, which is something we've seen throughout the past couple of weeks. So hopefully that can kind of get cleaned up, but and real quick, go ahead. But, uh, but, but, but that, that could be a downside to facing one of the best or most disruptive defense in the league is Trubisky's clock's probably a little quicker because he's got to face it more times than he will another opponent. So just throwing a thought out there. You're talking about practice. Practice. We're talking about practice. We're bringing Allen Iverson back <laughs> in this conversation. Is that what's going on? No, I'm moving on. Oh, <laughs> I'm moving straight ahead here. Uh, real quickly, uh, from our intern, our fantasy guy, uh, DJ Fesler. Uh, he has his weekly uh, Bears player that you should start in fantasy. And he likes Trey Burton this week. He thinks he's going to be a safe start because, uh, like we have already mentioned, Allen Robinson's going to have Patrick Peterson, and that can be a troublesome matchup, uh, which really can open up Burton to get more involved in the offense. Uh, we saw Burton get a red zone score a week ago, and the Cardinals have allowed two touchdowns to tight end so far, one in each game. Inside note, you can also probably start the Bears defense. You can throw that one in there as well if you're lucky enough to have them on your fantasy teams, like yours truly. <clears throat> That's me. All right, so let's oh. go ahead and have... Are you throwing another butt? No, I said, oh. Oh, at least a butt again. I was like, here we go. <laughs> All right, quick hit on special teams. I think you guys have the drill of what we're going to do now for this. So we're going to go around the horn. And I'm going to begin this time. And it's interesting because Nick talked about uh, playing on turf and how it's going to maybe enable this Bears defense to play a little bit faster. Well, for me, the Bears are playing in a dome. So there's no elements to worry about. So ideally, you really want to see Cody Parkey kind of keep up his perfect season so far that he's been able to put together throughout two games. There's no wind to worry about, no elements to worry about. So in, in essence, we shouldn't have to worry about Cody Parkey in this game. We'll see if that kind of comes to fruition. And let's go to B. What's your one takeaway of special teams? I'm going to be looking at the punt return coverage. Uh, Tariq Cohen in the last game had some some pretty, really, pretty, really good punt returns in that game. Uh, and I think a lot of that's due to the blocking downfield once it gets there. So I'll be interested to see uh, what holes open up uh, when he gets down there because I he's that might be where he's going to be most explosive in this game if he's going to continue to get less than... 50% of the, the snaps on the field for offense. So if he's going to make his presence known, I think it's got to be in the punt return game. Nick? 
Going back to the Rams, they had a really good day returning punts against this Cardinals special teams unit. So I think Tariq Cohen's going to have a big day and foreshadowing to what's going to come later in the podcast. But Tariq Cohen, uh, definitely not a guy to sleep on, especially with this Cardinals special team unit, giving up some pretty big returns in that last week uh, loss against the Rams. Okay, I'm interested to see where it's going to come out of that. And with with that said, and I haven't used that a lot lately, which is a good thing. And also, I kind of miss it, but it's okay. Uh, it's time to kind of get into our predictions. We have to hand out a bold prediction, our MVB, and of course, we're going to predict the game outcome. And then we're going to go ahead and sign off for this preview. So to kick things off here, what's going to be your bold prediction? And let's go to Nick first. So it, I have two, but they're both going to happen. One, we're going to see another defensive touchdown. Have no idea who it's going to be from, but there's going to be a defensive touchdown. And Tariq Cohen's going to get his second punt return of his career. This is a great opportunity for him to do it. And I think just the way the defense has been playing, they've had a pump, uh, defensive touchdown in the first two games. It's going to happen again for the third week. Get out of my mind. Jeez. <laughs> I have for my bold prediction, verbatim what I put down. Special team gets the first touchdown of the season. I say it happens via a Tariq Cohen punt return. He's close <laughs> to busting one out with some lengthy returns. Arizona has given up some. After watching the Bears defense put up points in back-to-back weeks, it's time for special teams to get in on the action. Way to go, Nick. Good stuff. <laughs> I shouldn't have shared my five. Teamwork. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Over to B. Uh, let me guess. Tariq Cohen's going to get a touchdown punt return, right? Uh, no, because I gave my spoiler alert earlier, and it's all coming full circle now. Uh, Bryce Callahan and Cal Fuller are going to get their first interceptions of the year in this one. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I, do I like it. It's bold. <laughs> and have we, time? Have we had a bold prediction, actually? Oh, wait, I think Will Ingles had his, right? Or, and you did, too, with the two touchdowns. I was, I was halfway right, because I said both of them would go to Trey Burton. Oh, oh way to be okay. so detailed. So 75% <laughs> right, technically, because True had his two. I had the one at Burton, but the other one did not come to fruition. But I, I'm okay. Anthony Miller is a, a good option to kind of get his first career touchdown mm-hmm. out of the way as well. But no. Yeah. So 75%. I think Ingles had one as well, but uh, that's it. That's why they're bold, though. Mm-hmm. I thought my, my first week would, would come through. MVBs? <laughs> MVBs. B? MVB. Cleo Mack, because... It's really hard to not give it to him in this one. Uh, I think he's just really, I don't want to say by himself, but he will be a large part of why Sam Bradford cannot get the ball off in this one. He's just been wreaking havoc all year. Now that he's more football callous for the year, Cleo Mack's going to be the MVB. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we talked about that in the postgame show. Like, it's probably going to be a weekly occurrence with Cleo Mack, which. That, that's my one. It's not a bad thing. Yet. Everybody gets one. <laughs> all right, Nick, how about you? Uh, I said that he was my X factor and he's also going to be my MVB on defense. It's going to be Roquan Smith. I think if David Johnson or this Arizona Cardinals offense wants to have a good day, it's going to be through Johnson. And I think that Roquan Smith is going to be the guy that shuts him down. So going Roquan Smith, are you, you look a little disappointed there. Well, is that yours or no? Okay. never mind. No. Okay. My disappointment is that's two weeks in a row. We picked two defenders, which is great because this Bears defense is playing so lights out, but I was just perplexed because we had such great confidence with this Bears defense to, what it's going to do. I figured MVB would have to come from the offensive side, but that's not necessarily the case, at least of what you guys pointed out. But I will hold my end of the bargain here, and I'll give you an offensive player. And I, it, Trey Burton. And again, it can maybe even classify as a bold prediction at this point. Um, but like uh, Fesler already said for the fantasy little section, 
that may, I really think that uh, you know Robinson really can't be targeted ten times a game again. So those throws need to be shifted somewhere, and I think that somewhere is number eighty. And I like uh, you mentioned, very favorable matchup over the middle of the field, and maybe this is a game where he kind of can break out. We need it. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money. We really want to see him kind of break out and have a game where like, oh yeah, that's why we brought him in. So far, he's you know he's had flashes of it. But as that move tight end, I'm really wanting to see him kind of get out there and be a little bit more involved than we have seen yet to date. All right, so time for game predictions. Real quickly, our standings are pretty simple. We're all one and one, just like our Chicago Bears. So I want to know who wins this game and what's the score and why so. And let's go over to Nick. Bears win this game 27-6. to And like I said, they're going to have that punt return touchdown, that defensive touchdown. The offense is going to leave you wanting more, but the Bears are still going to win. 27 to 6. Jeez. I have 27 to 9 Bears. Well, I'm more confident in the defense, Will. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, obviously, your defensive MVP, a little bit extra less points here. I just heard they scored six last week. That's such a lazy answer. I did have six last week, so I'm going to pick it now. <laughs> I'm talking about the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, okay. Very true. Um, no, they, they, have, they had zero last week. Was it zero? Was it last week? Oh, they had so scored two weeks six ago. Week one. Yeah. Well, I'm so lazy for forgetting what it. week they didn't score points and what week they only scored six points. Just <laughs> yeah. Sue me, sue me. But uh, anyway, 27 to 10, defense is going to dominate for the most part. I that well, 10. I said 10, didn't I? I meant nine. Defense is going to dominate for the most part. I think the most of the yards you're going to see is going to be in garbage time yet again. Um, but the Bears offense, I mean, the Cardinals have given up a lot of points so far this season. I don't see it slowing down. And even though we're not as optimistic or maybe that's not the right word, maybe not as hopeful of what the Bears offense can do in this game compared to the defense, which, again, that defense is, you know, arguably top three right now. Uh, it's easy to not have the same exact expectations, but I think the Bears win convincingly and move on to two and one for the first time since uh, having a more wins and losses since 2014. About damn time. Brandon, how about you? Well, since we're all taking each other's numbers, uh, I have the Bears winning 21 to 9 uh, because, I mean, I'm, the Cardinals defense has given up a lot of yards, a lot of points. I'm just a little skeptical still of the offense in this one. I think they may play down to the competition level uh, to the Cardinals team as a whole. I'm not so worried about the defense. It's hard to not be confident in the defense when Arizona's only put up six points all year. So I 21 to 9 is my, my final score, Bears. Has anyone looked at the fan poll? No. What do you think? How many, what percent Bears and Cardinals? What's the split? It's like all Bears. Probably. By 98 to 2. Dang. Darn Packers yeah. fans. Darn Packers <laughs> fans. Every time. <laughs> Always trolling. Always trolling. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, 98% of the Bears fans uh, are confident that the Bears are going to win this game. I'm sure you're listening. You're probably amongst the 98% as well. And if you the other two, maybe you think it's a trap game, which. You know, you're not entirely wrong to think that. I can see why. I mentioned it in the top part of the show. So, uh, yeah, fairly confident. And speaking of confidence, guys, one to ten, what's your confidence meter for this game? Just give me a number. We're running a little long on time. Let's go to B. Nine. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> ten. Oh, wow. we got our first ten. <laughs> I had nine. I want to do nine and a half now because I don't want to copy Brandon, even though he copied me originally. And Nick's 10 kind of instilled a little bit more confidence in me. So I'm going to go nine and a half, which, oh boy, we're confident. Man, so, they better win. They yeah. Better, we have a nine, nine and a half, 10. It's going to oh, be a long God. Sunday night if they don't. I'll tell you that. Regardless, I mean, it's going to be a long Sunday night if they don't win this game. 
All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Great breakdown of this game. So if you haven't checked out our Meet the Cardinals episode, I highly encourage you to go ahead and go backwards and do so. If you want to listen to Nick and Brandon's audio mailbag that released yesterday as well, check that out too. I want to thank you all who are here watching live on a Thursday evening. And of course, there are thousands of podcast listeners worldwide. Uh, no matter where you are, how you consume our show, just know that we do appreciate you taking some time to spend with us. I know you can do anything with your time, but you choose to spend an hour plus with us. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, and we do appreciate uh, you doing so. It means a lot to all of us. And in case you just haven't settled into our weekly routine just yet, up next, our Will Ingles is going to go ahead and hand out his five matchups of the week. And of course, soon after that, I'm going to walk you through my three keys to victory. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.